Hello and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, from the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole Sports. You are listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State, coming to you live from room 420 inside of Diffenbaugh. Save your jokes at the door. I am your host, Nicholas Carlisle, bringing you the latest, greatest, and Florida Statist in everything sports, or at least as much as we can fit within the hour for people all around the world. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at talk underscore tomahawk gary is on the twitter tonight and you can call into the show at 850-644-1837 once again that's 850-644-1837 welcome to tomahawk talk everybody and like tom brady and bill bill belichick kissing one another in celebration on live television we're happy that the super bowl was over too uh (laughs) just from it was just from that angle but that was a pretty weird picture wouldn't you say um uh, it, uh, it could have been worse but speaking of worse uh aren't you glad that we were able to watch maroon 5's rendition of magic mike featuring travis scott and big boy on stage I, I, I during halftime i would have much rather seen sweet victory yeah sweet victory that much. <laughs> much better uh um, man that was uh, that was great well football season is officially over meaning that all the baseball fans around the world rejoice oh yeah but in all seriousness the super bowl is over which means full attention turns to basketball and baseball which is an extremely exciting time around florida state especially we have a great show for you tonight a lot to chop and through softball. Sorry, and softball and softball uh so let's get everything started what is a captain without his crew i am joined as always by my good friend and co-host chris camacho as a saints fan do you feel any sort of vindication with the rams losing last <laughs> well, night l- listen l- let me tell you right now, <laughs> listen cause, listen because <laughs> i'm also from los angeles so I, it was not fun seeing another la team lose to another new england team but i think it i i all i'm saying is i think it would have been a different super bowl had the saints been in it oh i think so too and uh joining us tonight we have the other luke luke hayes and how are you this evening glad to be here nick Oh, you, you, no no response to how you're just glad. I'm ready to talk sports, man. I'm, I'm ready to you're go. You're just ready to go. I'm jacked up. Let's you're get, just let's ready get to go. The, let's get to the meeting, man. <laughs> and making his return to the panel tonight, we have Lucas Vetia. Welcome. That was perfect pronunciation, right? Bingo. It was Got bingo. It, okay, good. I've been practice, <laughs> practicing that in front of the mirror for the past 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> welcome back to Talk Talk. Lucas, how are you doing? I'm all right. Ready to be here. All right. I think everybody's ready to get into everything we have on the show for you tonight. Chris Camacho, uh, Lucas Vetia, Luke Hazen, and once again, I am your host, Nick Carlisle, and we are starting off the top, which if you didn't already know is the segment where I take a look at the past week in sports, rip the top stories, and ask our panel about them, forcing them to come up with the answers off the top of their head at the top of the show. And tonight, it's not the trade that we thought we were going to get at the deadline. Of course, the deadline hasn't passed just yet, but... In a blockbuster trade this past week, the New York Knicks traded away star power forward Kristaps Porzingis to the Dallas Mavericks along with Tim Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee, while the Mavericks sent DeAndre Jordan, Dennis Smith Jr., and Wesley Matthews to New York, and I believe there was a draft pick thrown in there somewhere as well. This trade coming after reports that Porzingis was questioning his role in the Knicks organization, and apparently he wanted out. We asked you, the audience on Twitter, who won this trade, and 68% of you said that the Mavericks won the trade, 14 of you, 14% of you said the Knicks won the trade and 18% said that they both won the trade. So now I ask the panel, what do you all think of this trade and who won it? Chris? I, I really think the Mavs got the got the better end of the deal here. Um, I mean, you get a guy like Porzingis when, when, when he's healthy. I mean, the, the guy can go off. And also, I think, I don't think the Knicks helped their position in terms of trying to get a guy like Anthony Davis over to their side. They're just... I, and you said that they also threw in a, uh, a draft pick as well, right? I, I, my, my memory serves me that there was a draft pick in the trade. I'm not sure who sent it, which way, if somebody wants to uh, do some research well, on that Well, if the Knicks quick. did, uh, this is a team, if I'm not no, mistaken. No, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure if there was any trade uh, draft picks within that, it would have been going to New York. I think okay. the Dallas Mavericks they, threw in the Because they pick. need it. This is, but my point is the Knicks are a team that needs as much firepower as they can get from their players. Porzingis is still injured, right? So he did I mean, practice today, though, and okay. it, and it was two first, it was two uh, future first round. They, picks. They've got something in mind for the future, but I think Dallas came out on top with this one. Luke, yeah, I'm gonna take the Knicks side on this, Nick, because if you if you look at the Knicks and the recent history of them, there have been a lot of disgruntled, high paid veteran star players, Carmelo Anthony, Amari Stoudemire, and I think 
this kind of gives off a signal that the Knicks are trying to change the culture around their basketball program. Get younger, get healthier. You know, they get back Dennis Smith Jr., who didn't really have a role in that Dallas offense, that whole Dallas team. You know, he and Luka had this whole power struggle going. And I think um, they initially wanted to draft him back two years ago, I think it was. So I think if they can get more players that want to be Knicks, that want to be part of this new culture that they're trying to build, I think it came out great for the Knicks. Lucas? I'm going to agree with Christian and say that the Mavs won this trade. It's definitely going to be interesting to see how Porzingis adapts to the Mavs, you know, especially playing with Luka Doncic. That's that's right there the duo that I'm most excited to see now. Unfortunately, he's not going to be playing this season, so we'll have to wait until next year. I think that this trade, having Porzingis and Doncic on the team, it can definitely definitely make them a contender in the West, especially since they have two future first-round picks. If they can get a couple of good guys, then I think we can be seeing a uh, you know, resurgence to the Mavs here pretty soon. I love this trade for the Dallas Mavericks for a couple of reasons, the first of which being, you know, you, you think of the city of Dallas and you think, well, that's a, that's a hot spot, right? A hot, very widely uh, acclaimed city, a nice city to play in. Some Cowboys there, apparently. If, <laughs> yeah, especially if you're the Dallas Cowboys foot. For, for whatever reason, the Dallas Mavericks don't necessarily have that big city, this big town, this big uh, big destination kind of feel to it. So the Dallas Mavericks have always had trouble trying to get those big-name players, and it doesn't help when the Clippers literally locked DeAndre Jordan in his house the one time that they actually did try to get. Great, greatest set on Twitter uh, ever, if, <laughs> if you remember that. <laughs> And but this this was a great way to get a, a nice established player because it hasn't been happening in free agency. I think they the, the last time they went out and spent big money was on Harrison Barnes when he left the Golden State Warriors. I love this trade. I love what Kristaps and Luca are going to be able to do together. I also love how Kristaps is going to be able to learn under Dirk Nowitzki. If you think about a player that Kristaps uh, probably idolizes, models his game after. I mean, Kristaps is is really unique by himself he's a unicorn he's a unicorn he's got guard skills and he's really really tall but when it comes to the shooting side of things i don't think that there's anybody else i would want to learn under more than dirk Nowitzki if i was christoph's porzingis but when you flip it to the other side the knicks I, w- I wouldn't be as concerned if it weren't for the recent history with the knicks and how they've drafted how they've been run as an organization in a franchise they they passed on dennis smith jr to draft frank nikila kina yeah yeah something like that that. uh and he has not lived up as a bunch of other draft picks have not lived up for the knicks so you know it's it's i guess you could say it's another reset but you know the knicks are going to keep resetting until they're not resetting so I, I do think that it was good to move Kristaps now. You got something for him. He was a little bit disgruntled. You got that out of the way without much of any uh, storm or media publicity other than the actual trade. So I do think both teams won this trade in their own certain ways, but I am really loving the trade on the side of the Dallas Mavericks. So with that being said, that was the Off the Top segment brought to you by me, sponsored by me, uh, issued out by the panel. Uh, and we're oh, just going to there, yeah change it a little bit up. It's because I didn't Giving have it written. Some credit there. It's because I didn't have it written down. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> 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 get, yeah. Get, why? Why would I give my panel any credit whatsoever? Um, what's a captain without his crew? Is what's that, a captain without his crew? Right uh, there, uh, a captain with a nice ship and nobody else to feed. Um, <laughs> uh, Moving on. Moving on. Um, and I think I think it's it's only right. And we're going to get to everything. We're going to get to softball. We're going to get to baseball. Or not baseball yet, uh, but basketball, men's, women's. But I think I think it's right that we kind of uh, go after the elephant in the room, uh, Chris. Uh, DeAndre Francois. It's been a tough weekend for him. It's been a tough weekend for the, the, the football program here at Florida State as uh, Francois was dismissed from the team Sunday afternoon after reports uh, surfaced that he uh, beat his girlfriend and they had a bunch of verbal uh, arguments as well and there was there was was recorded there was an audio tape uh, and it did not look good for Francois and obviously Taggart said uh, he called him up and then he dismissed him from the team but earlier today the the girl uh, and and it's awful that I'm forgetting the name off the top of my head right now because Diamond Diamond, uh, Diamond posted on I believe that might have been Instagram or Snapchat yeah, Instagram Instagram story, Instagram. Story, on Instagram. Instagram story that uh, admitting that DeAndre did not hit her although they did have a bunch of verbal verbal spouts 
uh, and she essentially apologized for making it appear that he was physically abusive towards her. And she was telling, uh, I guess, the world that uh, she was very upset by the, the ending of the relationship. And it, it's, it's kind of developed into an interesting, uh, awful, but interesting story. No, absolutely. I think, well, unfortunately, this is one of those situations where the it's a little... <laughs> A little too late to apologize because yeah. <laughs> I mean e- e- done. even yeah yeah DeAndre is done there's there's no way that he's gonna make his way back I, I think arguably onto any college football he, team. he's entered his name in the transfer portal so there, okay. there's still the opportunity yes, out there. There, there's we the opportunity know. I just don't think it's that's gonna be one of those questionable calls if somebody picks him up because now that story is gonna follow him you know and I think regardless of whether the reports are true it's just it's ruined. I think it's ruined his reputation for the time being. And and just the co- the coincidences of everything, as ESPN reminds me of something on my phone, uh, the coincidences of everything, Florida State has had problems with quarterbacks uh, for the past, I don't know how many years, seven years or so, mm-hmm. a long time, whether it was Jameis and all the well, things that... domestic abuse, not dom- just from Exactly, and not with just... And you talk about the, the situation with Josh Ball as well. Florida State has had issues with domestic abuse. Uh, DeAndre Johnson um, hurting that, that, that young lady in the bar, and then Dalvin Cook got accused of something and then acquitted, and then, of course, uh, all the things that Jameis uh, was accused of. Lee Henry got dismissed from the team for violating team... Now, now I'm not sure whether it was domestic abuse, but he violated team rules. You know, right. Another case of acting out. I, I have zero problem with him getting dismissed even even if the reports are false because i think uh, taggart said he said he were trying to redefine the this program and the culture in this program and as as you just mentioned florida state has a history and a reputation with this and i think it's it's something that florida state hasn't done in the past now my question is what if last season had gone differently what if florida state went won 10 games or 11 games and and DeAndre Francois was in the argument was in the the chase for a Heisman does that change anything to be 100% honest with you I think with Willie Taggart as the head coach of the Florida State Seminoles it would not have changed anything he is dead set on having a culture change with this program and I think it's it's really good to see him you know take take the situation by the horns and dismiss Francois when he needed to Luke yeah I, I want to ask you something Chris yeah. if not even talking about last season we know Taggart was going to roll with Francois on the team through spring, maybe towards the fall. We don't know what would have happened to him in the fall. I want to ask you, if this tape hadn't come out, would Taggart have even dismissed him? I think this gave Taggart an, like the perfect opportunity to go in and dismiss him. I think Taggart got lucky doing this because sure. I, I think he stays on the t- like Taggart. I, I don't I don't I don't know. Obviously, you know? obviously, we're, we're we're speculating here, but are are you? Are, do you think Taggart was looking for? a way to get him off the team and this was just his I I I don't think he was looking for a way to get him off. I think he obviously he had to act once this tape came out. Yeah. But I don't know that he would be gone even if that happened. Hmm. Everything aside, this is this is really a a, a sad way for DeAndre Francois's uh, career, his legacy at Florida State to end. You talk about the potential that this young man had. You talk about what everybody was expecting from him. He completely destroys his knee or gets his knee destroyed by uh, the Alabama defensive line in that opening game in 2017, and he comes back and he spends most of the year playing football for Florida State Seminole on his back because the offensive line was so porous uh, that he didn't have much of an opportunity to do anything. He, he you know releases an Instagram statement saying, I'm coming back, I have unfinished business, and now he's just gone. <laughs> Lucas, it, it does... Is this situation that's developed over the past, you know, 24, 48 hours, is that what is this what you think people are going to remember most about DeAndre Francois? Absolutely. Like, as you know, much of Florida, most Florida State fans, not all, I'm disappointed, but not surprised. This isn't his first incident, you know, with domestic abuse. Of course, he had some problems at the beginning of last year with that. Um, So it's just disappointing he should have realized that yeah he had much more to lose he had already been on the you know hot seat for this before even if it wasn't him on the tape like some people had been saying it's still like it he had much more to lose so there shouldn't have been anything like that yeah i, I think disappointing is the is the right word to use for it because when i when i 
I remember my first impression of DeAndre Francois, as I've mentioned before, was the game in Orlando against Ole Miss. And you of think, course. wow, what a, you think he's the future quarterback for Florida State. And to think this is the way that he's going to go out sad. in just Florida after State after history, it's, it's, it's sad. That after but, his freshman year, it was just all downhill. Right, right. Uh, as important as and as long as we could talk about the ramifications of the situation and how it affects all parties, we do have to move on uh, to women's basketball. Women's basketball getting a, a nice 24-point victory over Wake Forest at I believe they, I believe it was home at the Tucker Center uh, this past Saturday, and uh, this was a game in which the Knolls found themselves up by a lot, and that's not something that the Knolls could have said a lot about many games this season. Luke, what does this game what what uh, is the thing that you take away most from this game? Handling business. That's all. That's all I'm going to say about a game like this against a 10 and 12 Wake Forest team, one and eight in ACC play. Handling business. You you go into this game thinking, you know, you look ahead in the schedule. Three of the next five games for the women's team are against top 15 opponents in Syracuse, NC State, and Notre Dame. You need to win games like these, like this, if you're going to build momentum towards the tournament time. Chris, what was the importance of this type of game? You know, we've seen with this women's team this year, they, we've seen them get blown out. We've seen them lose close games, and we've seen them win close games, come back victories like against Virginia Tech, I believe, the week before. What is the importance of having a game like this where they're comfortably leading throughout the entire the entire contest? I think, I think it's building confidence. Granted, you're playing against a Wake Forest team that isn't top tier. It's nothing to write home about. But at the same time, you, you take a look at the shooting percentage. For the game, Florida State shot over 50%. And I think if you can if you can instill that level of confidence in your in your younger players, you know, you look at uh players like Valencia Myers, she got 24 minutes. Uh the younger the younger players, Courtney Weber got 25 minutes, and that's that's more than your star freshman in Valencia Myers. I think it's getting them that experience and getting them that comfortability on the court. I think that's what's going to go a long way, especially as Luke mentioned, going when you when you're playing a lot of top-tier teams coming up and a lot of uh, production off the bench this game I know that I've said in, in past shows that the when the bench is playing and supporting the starters just like any good team would it really makes this young young team that much better but it was really just an all-around great game from Florida State Gillespie with 22 points uh, actually four out of the five starters were in double digits for scoring the only person that wasn't uh, uh, was Weber who shot one from four uh, from the field she did have a couple of rebounds and a steal but only two points to show for it just looking at the way that this game turned out I mean Wake Forest, Wake Forest was out rebounded Luke for only the fourth time so far this season do you think that that's something that the Seminoles have been working on just over the course of the season because rebounding was something that you can argue argue was probably one of their weakest weakest aspects yeah absolutely and this is a game where you can kind of test things out and try to see if your team will respond to this Wake Forest team who would come in rebounding the ball pretty well. You know, you get into these really tense games against uh, better competition, you don't really have time to think, hey, what can we work on? What can we do better? But in a case like this against, you know, a Sunday afternoon against Wake Forest, you kind of look at this as a game where you can improve on things. And I think Florida State did a great job rebounding. And, of course, they do uh, have a pretty tough week uh, ahead of them, and and this is probably – uh, well, you take a look at this schedule, and it kind of makes you pee your pants a little bit. They did play Louisville uh, a couple weeks we got ago. A bathroom right, yeah, right we, we do have a bathroom just Nikki, outside the go. studio. It's gross. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's 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 it makes it puts some sweat uh, down the side of your face. Of course, uh, the last time that Florida State faced a ranked team, that was number four ranked Louisville, and that was a a, uh, a yeah, it was no. a nineteen point <laughs> loss. Uh, but it was the experience that I think Florida State needed at the time, and I think they've definitely shown. With the past couple of games that they played against Virginia, the comeback win versus Virginia Tech, uh, handling business versus Miami, and then this double-digit win against uh, Wake Forest, Lucas, it's really shown that this team is learning what they need to, especially being so young. Absolutely, they're improving on all aspects of their game. Like this game showed, it was an absolute domination. So it really gets me excited to see just what they'll be able to do against these, you know, more top-ranked teams going to the tournament. And those top-ranked teams heading into the tournament, two of them. Uh, this week, as I began to say, the North Carolina State Wolfpack losing their first game uh, this past week. They were the last unbeaten team, uh, I believe. So it's going to be a very, uh, very tough contest for Florida State. It is going to be at the Tucker Center. It's going to be the February the 7th. So that is Thursday. 
right? The, the wait, what day did you? That say? that's the seventh. The se- yes, yes. Seven. Seven. Okay, so yes. I do I do my math correctly. English yeah. majors can do math. You've heard it here first on Tomahawk Talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I do I do want to add for this team. I think it's something else that we saw from this uh, Wake Forest game is is. I think finding their comfortability and accepting that Florida State is just not a three-point team. You don't have you don't have Amani Wright anymore. You don't have AJ Alex, who were great perimeter shooters. Um, on the on the season, Florida State women's uh, they're shooting 26.5 percent, uh, and in this game, twenty-eight, right? Twenty-eight percent. Twenty-eight Yeah, not not great, but they had fifty points in the paint. 50 points in the paint. I, and that significantly outscores Wake Forest by 20 points. Um, and I think just accepting and finding those shots, you know, making driving it hard to the rim and finding those points. And I think that's that's how you can maintain that level of confidence, as I mentioned before, going forward. Right, shooting 57% for in the second half despite going one uh, one for eight for, from three-point range, as you said, right. Chris, uh, just bolsters your argument. This this team is, is figuring things out slowly. And uh, like I said, they do have the NC State Wolfpack and then the defending champions, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish this week as well. Luke and Lucas, you can chime in as well. What are, it, It's hard to say that they're going to win this game because in reality this is a young team i've said it before and four and they're probably not going to win these games but maybe they'll surprise us what do you what are you looking for this team to do versus both those teams this week i'm actually going to go outside the box here i'm looking at how this team is going to play as a whole um over the next stretch of games sure. rather than just these two games sure you know the 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 disparity between teams in college basketball is a lot more than in men's college basketball i feel like and so you get two top teams like NC State, like Notre Dame. Notre, the Notre Dame game is on the road. I don't see us winning that game by any stretch of the imagination. But it's going to be how this women's team responds if if they happen to lose those two games. You know, then you then you get games against Clemson, Pitt, and Miami uh, after the Notre Dame game. I'm going to be looking to see how these guys or <laughs> how these girls play uh, in those games rather than how they play in the next two games. What about you, Lucas? Yeah, I'm really looking more at these two next games, the ranked teams. I want to see how they respond under pressure. Of course, they're playing these tough teams. You know, if we see a Florida State team like we saw against Wake Forest, then we will be in for an interesting two games. Interesting two games indeed. So the the I believe the 24th uh, ranked Seminoles, I believe they stayed at yeah. 24 in the, uh, the, the AP and the coaches. Uh, feel free to correct me right. if that is not so. Uh, but it's definitely going to be a very challenging week for these young women. It's going to be a week of growth, and I expect uh, Coach Samro to uh, to coach these young ladies the same way that they coached, uh, that that she coached them when they faced Louisville a couple of weeks before. So we're gonna, of course, we're gonna be separated by the break here. Uh, but diving into men's basketball, of course, uh, Game Verts is Georgia Tech this weekend. It was, it was a game of kind of ups and downs, you could say. It was a, an ugly, awful finish. Ugly, it, ugly it was win. an awful finish. <laughs> it was an ugly Ugh. win, but there are things that you could take a look at and see, you know, some some positivity coming out of that. Uh, one of those is in, in opposition to the way that, that last week went. One of those things that you cannot be positive about was MJ Walker falling back into his slump, Chris. What is he going to have to do to break out of this? Is it, is it just a keep shooting kind of thing? Or is something else going to need to be tweaked? What is it that Steph Curry does? Doesn't he take like a thousand? Well, Steph Curry <laughs> is, if is he could not. Follow Steph Curry's a little Steph different than regimen, That would be great. But <laughs> as you said, he probably can't do something like that. I, honestly, it's with a guy like MJ Walker. I, it, it's 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 what a lot of young guys fall into. It's, it's frustrating. Thing, man. It's it's really frustrating. But that's the, he's a sophomore. He's going to have these really inconsistent on and off games. I think you give him another year, maybe he'll find that stretch that his stride and find that consistent stride, but for now it's uh, unless he continues practicing, maybe changes his shot, honestly, it's 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 hard for me to prescribe as as a as a <laughs> as a, a three-point specialist myself. <laughs> right. Uh, it's hard for me to prescribe something like that. It's 
Yeah. Well, on the on the flip side, a positive that you could definitely take away from this game is number forty-one. I mean, fourteen. Uh, Terrence Mann, you're uh, getting you're shredding his jersey for the third time. What's the over under and how many times he's going to shred his jersey for the rest of the season? That's not an actual question. Don't answer that. I Luke. was about to answer. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's why I told you not to. But uh, everyone gets closer to that. Uh, you know, he's he's had one of his his more well-rounded games than he has in a long time. Twelve points, seven rebounds, and assists, a steal, and you know those three back-to-back dunks that really uh, kind of. I don't. I don't want to say carried Florida State the rest of the way, but it definitely oh, gave yeah. them gave them that that I guess that that, that cushion. That, that cushion. Uh, so just looking at it, Cabin Gelly had another fantastic game. Oh yeah, as he does, as he, <laughs> as he is as he is prone to do. Uh, Kofer is still having a, a hard time coming back from everything. This was a game that Florida State I felt could have easily lost if this was not Georgia Tech, and if Georgia Tech definitely shot the ball better. I'm gonna scroll over and look at. Their shooting percentage. 28%. 20, oh, my. There's a lot of double digits and misses here. Um, <laughs> three for 13 uh, for, for uh, DeVoe and then. Jose Alvarado, 0 for 10. Over 10. And he fouled out, I believe, in yeah, 24 yeah, he was minutes. In, so. He was in foul trouble the whole game. Yeah. So my question to you, and you can chime in on this too, Lucas, is this a game in which you say, okay, well, it's a game that Florida State would have lost if the Yellow Jackets had any kind of form of offense anywhere? Or do you take this as, well, this was a, a tough, gritty win that Florida State grinded out? Can I say both? Because <laughs> it's kind of true. You know, it's a win that you need to have, especially with the schedule coming up for FSU. But at the same time, they w- they would have lost this game if they were playing any sort of like level opponent or uh, superior opponent, like Syracuse tonight. Tomorrow you night. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry, sorry about that. No but um, uh, Georgia Tech tried, gave FSU every reason to lose this game, and yet Florida State still found a way. So I can't complain about a win, but at the same time, it's a little bit concerning. Lucas? Yeah. Now, I wasn't able to watch this game, unfortunately, since I was at work, so I was preoccupied. But just looking at these stats here, you know, you go 4 for 16 on 3, you have a 35% field goal. Yeah, it just seems like if I'm sorry, if Georgia Tech had their offense together, this would have been a loss. And uh, Georgia Tech has been struggling on offense pretty much the entire season, so uh, I guess that's a, that's a question that we'll come back to on the other side of the break. When we do come back, we will have the time-honored tradition, the seminal segment with Jacob Hain. You're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. Number 20 women's Seminoles golf team stands in 12th place following round one play at the Northrop Grumman Regional Challenge. This is the first competition of the spring season for Florida State. With 36 holes left to play, freshman Frida Kinholt and Puckling Thompson are tied for 17th in the individual standings. Number 12 UCLA holds first place in the team standings thus far. The first round was delayed due to rainy conditions, also taking away Florida State's pre-match practice round. Round two teed off for the Knolls this afternoon at 12.30 Eastern from Palos Verdes, California. The Knolls take on Alabama, Washington, and Arizona State in round two. In women's basketball news, Florida State beat Wake Forest in dominating fashion, beating the Demon Deacons 85-61. The 24th-ranked Knolls shot 57.4% from the field, a new season high. Junior forward Kaya Gillespie led the way in scoring, dropping 22 points on 9 of 15 shooting. Freshman guard Morgan Jones was the player of the game, however, providing a spark off the bench with 12 points and 7 rebounds, both career highs. Scoring came from all over the court, with five Seminoles registering double figures. 
The win improves the Knowles record to 19-3, 7-2 in the ACC. Florida State faces a big test in their next game against number 7, North Carolina State. Action tips off this Thursday at 7 p.m. in the Tucker Center. That's all for the Seminole segment. Back to the guys in the studio. Thank you so much, Jacob, for that uh, Seminole segment, the time-honored tradition, uh, and, a, and, a, and a very favorite one here at the station. Uh, on the other side of the break, we uh, were talking about a little bit of men's basketball and continuing that conversation, looking ahead. Uh, the Knowles, like the women, or, or, or the Knowles, but you know, the men, like the women, uh, have an equally difficult week. It's just a very difficult week for basketball uh, for both men and women as uh the, the the men face Syracuse tomorrow night, and then they face uh, number 16-ranked Louisville Cardinals this weekend. Uh, and they're actually f- uh, not favored in uh, the, the Syracuse game by a lot. Uh, 70.9% uh, in the ma- – it, it's not giving me the line, which is, which is weird. Maybe I'll just have to refresh the page. But uh, Florida State not favored in the Syracuse game. If you remember, Syracuse knocked off Duke uh, just days just after – just days after Florida State lost to Duke in heartbreaking fashion. Uh, you know, we asked this question, Chris, about the women and what they have to do to win these games uh, this week. What's What, what are the men going to have to do? I think I think there's going to need to be somebody uh, that steps up, in a sense, and, and have have somebody make more than three baskets. Because actually I was looking back at this, <laughs> at the Georgia Tech score sheet. Nobody made more than three baskets and more than three field goals. Um, so I think finding finding that offensive... Uh, stability, Luke. I know you and I were talking at the break, talking about how tr- uh, Terrence Mann needs to step up, and in along with, along with uh, with Trent Forrest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the one positive that you could take away from the Georgia Tech game was that Terrence Mann did have a pretty good game, and I think that's especially important heading into these next two games because Trent Forrest, Trent Forrest was supposed to be the leader of this team. We saw what he did in the tournament last year. We saw, we thought he was going to be the leader. And he still might be the leader, but he's not producing because he's hurt right now. And so I think someone, someone is going to have to have an out-of-body experience over these next two games. <laughs> because Syracuse and Louisville play some of the toughest defense yeah. in the ACC. I and know, you can't rely on Cabangeli every single game. And exactly. You, and you also no. can't rely on two starters shooting a combined three for or three for 23 right. uh, from the field. Uh, and, and the line, as, as my faithful, my lovely assistant, Gary, uh, <laughs> held up his held up his phone. Uh, the line is uh, two two point five towards Syracuse. Uh, Lucas, you know you you said Luke uh, or Luke said that somebody's going to need to have an out of body experience. If it's not Terrence Mann, if it's not Kevin Gelly, who in your mind is that person going to be? You know what? I'm looking at seeing what Phil Kofer does because I've seen he's the kind of guy that. He shows that he can make big plays during big games. All right, he steps up. He can do it. So I'm going to be looking at him these next couple of games. And I take a look at these couple of games, guys, and I, I see what Syracuse has done. They're not ranked, but, I mean, if you, if you look at what they've been able to do, not only in the conference they should be, they're probably, like, knocking on the door that of the outside of the, the bubble. Dome too. That, that thing counts more than any other statistic you can throw out there. It's at Syracuse. Right. And, and it's actually it's a, it's a pretty interesting you know, uh, story too, because you have Florida State, who is not a good road team, and, I, and emphasis, no. and I could put bold italics and double underline, uh, not a good road team. <laughs> but then you have you know Syracuse, who who isn't the best home team. So, Chris, if you had to take a guess right now, which one of those is going to be the, the dominant, the dominant, I guess, gene of this game? Which one's going to give away? Yeah. Which one? Which one? Which one, which one is gonna is is Florida State's? Uh, lackluster performances on the road going to dominate this game, or is Syracuse going to be vulnerable at home once again? Well, you know, I, I think Florida State, the, a, a win at Miami doesn't say much, but I think they've... Man, I don't know. That's that's such a hard question. It really they've shown because, that they can get it done on the road. Because the thing is, when you're playing in a place like the Carrier Dome, a place that... and, and, and uh, Forget about talking about football. <laughs> we don't even talk about Florida State. <laughs> football Going up the Carrier football, Dome. Oh God. But just that environment can get so rambunctious. Can get It can get as, as loud as it is here at the Tucker Center sometimes. Um, you just hope it doesn't rattle someone like an MJ Walker, like a Raekwon Gwe... Gwe. Uh, like a Raekwon Gray, rather. Um, honestly, I I can see the carrier the carrier dome taking over here. I I am more worried about the Syracuse game than I am worried about the the Louisville game. Wow. 
I, I, I think that Syracuse, it, you know, I, I already said that they weren't ranked, but I think they definitely deserve, especially with the victories that they have. And this team, to be honest, if I'm Florida State fan, it scares me a little bit. The fact that Florida State isn't good on the road, the fact that they're having to play in the carrier dome, the things that we've been talking about for the past five minutes, it, this game scares me more than Louisville. I think Louisville is going to end up being more of an important game because of the number surrounding it. It's a number 16 ranked team in the nation at this point. It, it, it's definitely a team that has surprised a lot of people this year thus far. But I'm still more worried about Syracuse, Luke. Yeah, and NC State showed over the weekend, if you play great defense against Louisville, then you have a shot to win. They they play great defense the whole game against Louisville. And earlier in the year, Louisville went to the Dean Dome and beat North Carolina. This time, exact uh, reverse of that. North Carolina played great defense, basically stymied Louisville the whole game, and they were able to come up with a victory. And then that Louisville matchup, it's 58.5% uh, in the favor of Florida, which is, Florida State's actually favored in this game, it looks like. Um, always better to be at home. Yeah. Always, oh, well, it is always better to be at home. Gary, my trusty assistant, you want to pull up the line for Louisville for me? Uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> because, because for whatever reason, ESPN is refusing to show me. Uh, thanks, ESPN. They don't want um, to help your gambling problem. Yeah. He's your, Gary's your bookie. Oh, well, uh, it's, I know this is a rabbit's trail, but there's somebody that won $100,000 on the bet that the Rams wouldn't score more than three points. Wow, I saw that today. I bet they're over. I'm sure they're glad their line missed that last field goal. <laughs> I, I heard, I heard in class that uh, somebody lost. What was it? Three point five million or something three, like that. Yeah, I, I heard two point seven million uh, on the over under on this game. Well, if if this whole uh, sports journalism doesn't work out for me, uh, I'm taking to the gambler. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, don't, don't do it's a that. Deep hole there, Nick. That, three point eight million. That three point eight million. You said that, sir. Wow. <laughs> In all seriousness, that ruins life. I'm not going to do that. Um, but you look, I have at, a problem. There's a number. <laughs> There's a number you can Reach call. Reach out to one eight hundred. Yeah, what's the, uh, the, the? You can call us here at eight five zero six four four one eight three seven for that problem. Uh, just it, there's no line yet. Thanks, Gary. Um, <laughs> too far out. <laughs> Thank you. For what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, uh, we're. It's, uh, I don't Gary know. is standing by the phones. Yeah, Gary is is ready with anticipation, but. All right, I think it's about time. Looking at these two games, what are we thinking, guys? Is this is this is one and one the ceiling for for this week, or do you think that Florida State has a legitimate chance to beat both these teams, Chris? I think they have a legitimate chance. Well, there's always a yeah. chance, but in the right. in the realm of possibility, that's you know something reasonable. Yeah, I I don't see two and zero being unreasonable. Uh, however, what is the reality of the situation? I can see them. I could see them going one and one. I, I I don't think they win against Syracuse, but I think they win a close game uh, against Louisville at home. Right there with Chris, yeah. The the home the, the Louisville game is much much more important than a road game up at Syracuse. So yeah, they're gonna go one and one. Lucas, I'm gonna agree completely too. I think Syracuse, yeah, that game worries me more. They seem to be that dark horse team that for some reason they can beat you know these big names. So I think that. We can definitely get the win against Louisville, I believe, but Syracuse, I'm not so sure about. And I think that it's in the be to the benefit of Florida State this time around. That there's there's no real trap game. Uh, if you if you drop the game to Syracuse on Tuesday night, you immediately have to to uh, buckle back in and go and face Louisville this weekend. And I think you know that's going to be to the f benefit of Florida State if they do drop this game. You know, there's no okay. Well, we have a couple games to pick ourselves back up, and then you end up. Losing those games There's like no pit, like yeah. we saw with Pittsburgh, um, yeah, so and it's Boston I, College and Boston College. Uh, we are not a road team. Not a road team. <laughs> not a road team indeed. Bold it, italicize it, underline it twice, circle it in red pen. Not a good road team. Uh, a great editor, Nick. I'd love to see your edits. Well, it's I have a color pencil set. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> not really. Um, <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Uh, Florida State softball. Starts this Friday. Uh, Woo! National go, defending national champions uh, start up the season uh, this weekend. Just, just I guess an opening question: what, what's, the, what are you looking to happen this season? What's the ceiling? Perfect it? season. They return <laughs> national champion again. Coacha Alameda, all the way, best coach in the ACC and in the no. I've, but in, in sorry, I just went on. Wow, it. you're a jerk. I know. <laughs> No, I mean, right <laughs> I, 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 think, I think as a Florida State fan, you expect them to go as far as they did last year. Granted, you don't have Jesse Warren anymore, which, which is a big yeah, – that's a big piece that you're missing right there because Jesse Warren was something special. You do, 
However, have five preseason all uh, all American or excuse oh, me uh, all ACC. Right. Uh, Zoe Cassis, Carson Gordon, Megan King, Anna Shellnut, Sydney uh, Cheryl. Sydney Cheryl is a huge return. Yeah, and I, I want to say. Yeah, it's gonna be hard to replace Jesse Warren, but it makes it a lot easier when Sydney Sherrill is moving to right. third base no, oh, as a preseason All American. I'm not saying that the, that the success of this team lives and dies by Jesse Warren. This team is so ridiculously deep. We're turning 16 Absolutely. players from that Absolutely. national championship team. Yeah. And and the, the uh, was she the ACC freshman of the year or just the overall uh, Sydney Sherrill? The I think she was just the overall NCAA freshman of the year. I be- I'll have to check that, but yeah, <laughs> Gary. Yeah, you see, Gary, Thanks, Gary. See, Gary, Gary, <laughs> Gary just knows what I want. Um, <laughs> Lucas, oh, oh, come yeah, on. All right, there is some hooting and hollering in the peanut gallery of the <laughs> Tomahawk Talk Studio. Uh, <laughs> uh, Lucas, do you echo this positivity? I mean, of course, sixteen returning, uh, returning players from the def- from the national championship winning team last season. Do you do you still hold that positivity? Are you right up there? Is this? Is this title or bust again for Florida State? Oh, yeah. I'm definitely coming in ranked number one. I'm definitely looking for the repeat. You're definitely looking for the repeat. And, of course, they do start this weekend. Luke? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say the pressure's on because the last two teams before Florida State to win the national championship, Florida and Oklahoma, they both repeated the year after they won it the first time. Mm -hmm. So the precedent's there. It's going to be up to Florida State to kind of – Fill, fill the right. shoes. Well, and I think the spotlight really is on Florida State because I, I was looking at the, the the 25, the the AP top 25. Florida State's the only ACC team in the top 25. They're also the first ACC team to ever win the softball national championship. The pathway's there, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. They're pioneers in their in their own right. And also, after further review, the play has <laughs> the play has been uh, confirmed. And uh, uh, so, player of the year, not play, just freshman. No, she, she ACC freshman of the year. Okay, uh, there we yeah. go. The play has been confirmed. Yeah. The call stands on the field. The you, you can challenge that. <laughs> Proceed to boo. <laughs> when your tomahawk, when your tomahawk talk replay booth is better than the NFL's. Um, no <laughs> shots fired. Fruit. Shots ho- <laughs> shots fired. <laughs> Florida State uh, does face UNC Wilmington uh, 3 p.m. and then you know, of course, uh, as tradition, you know, a couple games. Um, Iowa State and then UNC Greensboro. Big tournament next weekend. Big tournament as well. Um, then on Saturday, Iowa State and UNC Wilmington, they switched. Or, well, excuse me. I'm sorry. The Iowa State is on the Saturday. Uh, UNC Wilmington is on the Sunday. And then uh, February 15th, an early test in Oklahoma, Chris. Uh, oh, absolutely. Oklahoma, the number four team uh, in the country, in preseason, according to preseason rankings. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm looking forward to because they lost, um, oh, my God, uh, Megan King's counterpart. My, I was going to focus on Megan King anyway. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I think Megan King is a, is a huge return. You you look at what she did not only during the regular season, but her postseason uh, repertoire was just incredible. I think I think that's probably the biggest arm you have coming back, the strongest arm you have coming back. That's going to be uh, Megan King is going to be the woman to go to, uh, especially against a team like Oklahoma. Granted, assuming she hasn't been used up uh, before. So the, the the general consensus uh, on Tomahawk Talk tonight, the panel saying uh, Florida State is looking to buy one get one free in terms of championships. Uh, lots of lots of fantastic. Oh, it will not be oh, yeah. free. I, I, <laughs> I never think I never think the 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 what is it called the return. Well, for the sake of the nice segue, Chris, yeah, okay. could you just give it to me? All right, I'll give um, it to you. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. Uh, <laughs> lots of fantastic talent coming back for the softball team this year, defending national champions. They have uh, 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 not necessarily the hardest road back uh, that they have, especially during the regular season. But It's not about that. It's about the tournament. It's a, the tournament's absolute, a grind of its own. It's absolutely exactly. about the tournament. But in terms of the regular season, it's going to be an exciting season uh, of softball. And uh, I can't wait to watch. This is going to be a very, very fun team. Uh, to to see, I I want to say develop, but I mean you have so many returning players. How much more can you develop mm-hmm. uh, in that sense? So uh, definitely looking for softball again. Uh, first first game is uh, the eighth. That's this Friday, three p.m. And then uh, it's back to back UNC Wilmington and then Iowa State at five thirty. Uh, so you know save. The, I I want to say the best for last, but this really probably wasn't the best that we probably could have <laughs> saved. Uh, there was a Super Bowl last night. Uh, there was? I think so. <laughs> is it tonight? It's the Super Bowl tonight? I don't know. It's never on a Monday, Nick. Are you silly? I'll, you I don't silly? know. Adam Levine took his shirt off 
and then oh, I saw that. Uh, everything. <laughs> it's the only part I tuned in for. <laughs> <laughs> everything else just kind of blank after that. Come on, Christ. man. Um, <laughs> Chris, you know there was there's always talk, and you know it, it's been the sports story of the NFL this year for the AFC. There's always talk that the Patriots are going away. This is the end of the dynasty, and uh, here they are once again, Super Bowl champions. How many? I want to ask you how many years do you think they have left? But I mean, there's we we were saying two does years ago. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But is this is this going to be the final ring? Is this the going off into the sunset? Well, well, Tom Brady now has all six Infinity Stones. So <laughs> with, one, with one snap, he can eliminate half the league. That was good. That was a good Avengers trailer during the Super Bowl too. That's, I like yeah. that. Yes. <laughs> um, is this the final one? You know that, that I I have to say as much as as much not a fan I wow I totally butchered my English there I'm not a fan of the Patriots however <laughs> I think it will be interesting seeing them pursue history next year if they can keep the consistency if as Gary's tweet did not age well from last year he if he <laughs> truly is not over the hill um, if they can go for a seventh Super Bowl ring I think that's going to be an interesting playoff run to watch will they get it honestly. I can't tell you because I, if 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 Drew Brees can come back and I I hope I hope he does because I really think they should have had it this year, uh, I think I think it's going to be an interesting playoff run next year. <laughs> just let it go, Chris. I can't. <laughs> just neither let can it go. New Orleans. No, honestly, I think the whole <laughs> no. thing. Uh, anyway, the and whole it, New Orleans thing is another thing. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Luke, one of one of the big stories for the Rams uh, the past couple of, the, the NFC Championship game and of course the Super Bowl was how how underutilized Todd Gurley was now. I mean, there was talks that, you know, he, he has some injuries with him. If Todd Gurley were given more touches, maybe if the game plan uh, was a little bit more centered around Todd Gurley, and they even said that the game plan was more Todd Gurley centric and it, it just didn't materialize Did, yeah. that way for whatever S- reason. Situationally, it just never made the playbook, you know? So my question to you, if, if Gurley was getting more touches, if this game was managed better by Sean McVay, would the outcome been would it would it have been different? Yeah, well, absolutely. You know, if but I <laughs> but I mean in terms of the win and the lose, the win and the loss. Well, the the game was tied at three heading into the fourth quarter. You can't say in, uh, definitely that the Patriots were going to win no matter how Todd Gurley was utilized. You know, uh, a player here or there um, that's drawn up for Todd Gurley could change the outcome of the game. And we just never got to see. It. I think McVay had a subpar game. He got he, and he said it after the game. He just he felt numb. He got out coached by the greatest of all time. And there's no shame in doing that. Yeah, Luke. The fact that he said that, Lucas. What what's your what's your take on him saying, "Look, I I just got playing out coached tonight. A lot of this is my fault." I mean, it's completely true. Like you have you know what most people consider the best running back in the NFL, and you don't have a one single snap in the and in, in the red zone that just there's. No reason for that. Gurley was just completely underutilized. That's all there is to it. Completely underutilized. Luke. Does this change how we think of Goff, though? I mean, I... No. 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 I'm, I'm going to say no. Dude, he's the youngest quarterback to ever play. It's, to say that he had nerves, I think, might be an understatement. Um, yeah. Performing at the highest, on the highest stage you could possibly perform. Granted, you should, if, if you were able to make it all the way to the Super Bowl, you should be playing at a higher level. I... He's a kid, man. I I don't know. I just we're kids. We we, yeah, we, we say there's always room for improvement. Though they might be back here next year. Mm-hmm. But I remember in the NBA looking at the Oklahoma City Thunder, thinking, "Hey, they can still improve. They'll be right back here next year." Never happened. My dad grew up with Jim Kelly and the Buffalo Bills saying, "Hey, oh. they're gonna win it next year. There's <laughs> always next year," and it never popped up. So I don't know. I have concerns about Goff and how high is his ceiling. I, I really don't I, I'm I'm not as concerned about golf no, as you are, Luke. Not. I I just I think that he was definitely rattled. I think nerves were definitely a factor. He did have some good throws. It's not like he had uh, an absolutely atrocious game, and you could definitely pinpoint well, it, with exception to the interception that was thrown up like a like a dead yeah. duck that he shouldn't have. I think thrown. he got hit on that play, if I'm not mistaken. I I definitely don't think Goff think had a great throw, game. Though. By by this was not. There his... were opportunities. Two two throws yeah. to Cooks that could have been catches. Absolutely, he, yeah. he underthrew and overthrew a lot of guys that that went deep. 
This was not Jared Goff's best game. And honestly, nearing the end of the season, I don't think he was performing the same way that he had been performing at the beginning of the season. So, yes, I think there there are definitely Jared Goff concerns. I do not think this Super Bowl is the reason to so you, be you concerned. think it's bigger than just the Super Bowl? I think it's bigger I can, than, I can understand. Yes. Yeah. Let me clarify my statement because you, you ask us, well, does this change the way that you feel about Goff? And I say no. That's not me saying, well, Goff is this fantastic quarterback and, you know, he's just, he just had a bad game. No, to me, Jared Goff is the epitome of an above-average quarterback that has a lot of help. He, you know, he's a very young quarterback. He has a lot of time to improve. I mean, what? This is only his second season, second or third. I think it's second. His, it's his third second, season. Uh, second full season, yeah. Second yeah. full season, third. We don't count third. the Jeff Fisher year. <laughs> <laughs> completely, for, completely forget about the Jeff Fisher year. No, it's okay. But, so do the Rams fans. Yeah. <laughs> um, if the if the Rams fans can forget Jeff Fisher, the Saints fans can forget the blown call. <laughs> Maybe I don't know uh, that that didn't get a rise out of Chris like that, I thought it would. No, it didn't. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, but back to back to the point. Look, I'm taking a look at Jared Goff and I'm saying, well, look, he's a he's a good quarterback. Am I going to take him over a lot of quarterbacks in the league? Absolutely. I'm going to take Jared Goff over a guy like Kirk Cousins any day of the week. You know, you, you Kirk Cousins is that that money guy. You know, you get what you pay for. You pay a little bit too much, <laughs> but you know, Jared Goff is that. Uh, above average quarterback that's going to get a lot of help. He had a lot of help with Gurley. He had a lot of help with the defense that ended up kind of, I mean, they did they did play a fantastic game in the Super Bowl. They did where they were kind of lopsided on the other side of the season. But you know, more to my point again, I'm not concerned about Goff because my opinion of him hasn't changed, and you know, he's just that above average quarterback. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, one thing I'll say about Goff is that as the season went on, teams stopped biting on the play action. The Rams stopped running as much because Gurley got hurt, and teams stopped biting on the play action, and Goff was exposed then. So I think there's definitely going to be some improvement needed from him and some improvement needed from McVay in retooling the offense to not rely so much on play action heading into next year if they want to get back to this point, which I think I think they can. Now, projecting forward, they're going to be in, they're going to be in cap hell soon, but for just projecting next year, they can get back, but there's going to need some adjustments. Need some adjustments somewhere, somehow. I mean, it's a little bit too early to say where everybody is going to be uh, in Saints the NFL. Ve- Vegas, Vegas, is already <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, Vegas already knows where. Vegas yeah. already knows. Uh, <laughs> just don't lose. How much did did he lose, Lucas? 3.8 million. Jesus. Woo! That's a couple more digits above we'll see, my But I think grade. this is the same guy who yeah. also won a lot of money on the Astros. It was like 20 million, I believe. 20 million on the so. Astros and also on... There was another major team. I, I don't. Oh, the Eagles. It was the Eagles last year. You're right. Yeah. So he. I mean, it, so off he just a watch. Oh so yeah, he's still all right for now. Year. Off year. Uh, Chris, we we wanted we we were said we were gonna throw it in if we had time. Talk a little bit baseball. Talk about Bryce Harper. Uh, and I guess the, ba- the 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 MLB as a whole, it's kind of been a slow free agency oh, thus absolutely. far. It's been extremely underwhelming. Slow. Underwhelming. underwhelming. Is a, is a, a bunch of other adjectives to say not much has happened. But you know, you know Tony Romo predicted that you know <laughs> <laughs> the the Lord the Lord of Tony it's Romo. Being underwhelming. I didn't get a whole lot from Tony Romo last night. I was I was disappointed. I, well. <laughs> was he was happy boring. to be there, and what I was, was happy his prediction. For him. Yes. <laughs> when did you know what his pregame prediction was? Like 28-27, something like that. Patriots. I, I don't know. I'm not telling you. Did he make what? a pregame prediction? I don't know. I'm asking you guys. I, I, I don't, don't know. know. He said 10-3. He said 3-0 th- no, at the half, actually. 3-0. Okay. Well, look. It was three. Th- it was three zero at a half. I wasn't exactly paying that much attention. <laughs> <laughs> Brutally honest. <laughs> but back to the point. Uh, Bryce Harper. Bryce, Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper. Yeah. Chris, what's gonna happen? Where's Where, Bryce Harper? Where is he going? <laughs> is it gonna it's happen so anytime hard. soon? Because I think last week there there was I don't know if it was Thursday or Wednesday. We were uh, ESPN was going crazy. They're like. Bryce Harper is going to announce he's, where the Phillies. He's Phillies. signing with the Phillies, Phillies today. I'm, I'm just like, yeah, that's my heart beating, by the way. Oh, uh, nice sound effect. Oh, yeah. Human soundboard over here. Yeah. Um, do, 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 do. I mean, as a Marlins fan, I was just like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to see him, I, I, I think the Phillies are going to be dangerous this year. Oh, well, just the NL East in general. They woke up feeling dangerous? They, Yes. Yes, they did. <laughs> um, but I think I, th- I can see Bryce Harper – 
in a Phillies uniform. Are the are the are the Padres also in on him? I think as so. As well, is that is that correct? Here's a hot take: Bryce Harper might be a better fit with the White Sox or the Padres than he would be with a contender. Now, a contender might be better with him, but he might be a better fit for those franchises than, say, the Phillies. If he goes with the Padres, look out for the Padres too. I think I think they're a sleeper team that's coming up. Maybe not this year. Um, they have, they have. Uh, I forget the stat exactly, but they have a fair percentage of top 100 prospects. Their farm system is yeah, loaded. Farm loaded. system is loaded. That's what I'm saying. Look out for them in the coming seasons, competing in the NL West. Uh, the Diamondbacks have dropped off. Uh, Dodgers are always going to be there. I think the Dodgers always. are always. Uh, again, I'm always hoping for another Dodgers West. Be warned. But at the same, t- but after, but after six seasons, I mean, you you can only hope that that can stay consistent for so long. Um, honestly, the other, the only other top contender in the NL West is, are the Rockies. Uh, they're they're looking scary too. I, I can see the Padres as a potential three spot in the NL West this coming season. And if they land Bryce Harper, I'll like check that box. And over here, Gary is just I can I can see Gary in Jeets we trust. <laughs> Well, we'll talk about the Rockies. The Rockies lost Aldino and Mayhew. Regression to the mean. I'm with Gary on this. I don't think the Rockies are nearly as good as they they were last year. Well, with that all being said, we we then give it to the Dodgers. We've answered the question without answering the question because we don't know what's going to happen. Just like you, Uh, thank you so much for tuning into Tomahawk Talk. This even news release is up next. We are not going to be on the air next week as there is an event, but we will be back on the air. Uh, two weeks from now, but don't worry. We're going to make up from lost time somehow. We have something special planned. We just can't tell you exactly what it is yet. Uh, we're not going to see you, so I hope you have a nice Valentine's Day. hope you kiss somebody. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick already have. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to let that go. Thank you all so much for listening, for tuning in. New releases up next. You're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State.